Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of March 11th, 2021, including Bethesda is now officially part of the Xbox family. Xbox could still have some 2021 games that we haven't seen announced yet. V1 Interactive has sadly shut down and more. Okay, real quick, I just got to get this out there because I I keep noticing this every day when I drive home from work, and I just got home from work about an hour ago, so it's still kind of on my mind, but I live about, you know, my apartment's about a minute to drive, you know, half a mile, whatever, I don't know, from the highway on-ramp, so like there's, you you leave my apartment, you turn left out of the community, you turn left again at the light, and boom, it's like there's the highway, you get on, right? And on the other side of that overpass, on the other side of the highway, they're building like they have a bunch of land they have cleared out and they're building a new hospital there. And I'm not crazy about, you know, having a new hospital there. I'm like, Oh great. I get to live next to a bunch of dying people. That's awesome. But anyway, so we've known that a new hospital is going in there for about a year now. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because a couple months ago, you know, they got all the infrastructure and everything down. And I assume because of COVID, you know, construction probably is going a little slower than they thought. So the, the construction on the hospital itself has kind of stalled. But a couple months ago, we noticed that there's these two smaller buildings going up right in front of where the hospital will be, like a little strip. I was like, oh, you know what? They could build like a, a like a CVS pharmacy or something, you know, right in front of the hospital. That would be appropriate. I don't know. You know, you never know what they're building. So I'm expecting like a convenience store or a or a pharmacy or something of that sort. And then, you know, then about a month ago, they start putting out like they start painting the building and putting up some like texture and some some signage and things like that. I'm like, hang on a second. I've driven past enough chain restaurants in my day to know that these two buildings are not pharmacies or convenience stores or anything like that, but in fact, they are chain restaurants. In fact, I know that one right there is an Olive Garden, and I know the one right next to it is a Longhorn Steakhouse. So immediately, I was just like, that's that's kind of fucked up that they're going to build these like really like god-awful-for-you chain American family sit-down restaurants directly in front of a hospital. And, you know, the more and more I thought about it, the more it made me uneasy because I realized, especially with the, not so much the Italian restaurant, the, the Olive Garden, but more so the steakhouse. I'm like, so what does that mean? When this is all said and done, you're going to have a steakhouse and then directly behind it, a brand new hospital. And so they're going to have like this Sweeney Todd like situation going on where like maybe a patient uh, who is at, you know, has, you know, who's in poor health, but doesn't take care of themselves, goes over to the Longhorn Steakhouse, sits down, eats a massive, you know, porterhouse steak, gets it medium rare, gets some loaded mashed potatoes and French fries on the side, and just really overdoes it one day. And then, you know, that indu- that's it. That's the, that's the final, that's the, that's the nail in the coffin, uh, both literally and figuratively, and, and it induces a heart attack. Okay, you know, it's a little morbid, but, you know, say the guy dies, he, he ate the Longhorn Steakhouse, he gets really unhealthy and fat and everything and dies. And then the Longhorn then takes the dead body and brings it over to the hospital. You know, he goes to the hospital where he has a heart attack and dies. The hospital then gives the body back to the steakhouse and they they chop up the meat and use that, you know, for more burgers, more steaks and things of that nature. 
I guess what I'm getting at is there could be some weird cycle here going on with the eat unhealthy leads to poor health, die, go to the hospital. They process the body, send it back to the restaurant and they process it to be made into food. And, and we get some Sweeney Todd cycle of, you know, these, these, these unsuspecting patrons are going to the steakhouse expecting, you know, all beef, uh, all beef ribeye, but instead they're eating, you know, Paul, Paul pistachio from, from two blocks down who died of a heart attack. And, I know it's a morbid thing, but I just want to put that out there. It's a little little fucked up that we're getting a Longhorn Steakhouse and a hospital at the same time right next to each other. So got to put that out there. But with that said, I actually also want to start by saying I'm hoping we can make this a hour and a half show, you know, n- not too long. I feel like the show's been getting too long. I personally would like to cap it an hour and a half just to get like a sweet spot going, but God knows that'll never happen. So with that said, let's jump into the regular show, starting off with some corrections and comments I want to bring up from last week. The first thing I want to bring up is Eric Matheson wrote in with something that I want to address at the top of the show because it may or may not affect the relevancy of the, the relevance of this show, this show's news, depending on, you know, what happens tomorrow, Thursday, the 11th, when this show goes live. So let me just read the comment. Eric says, hey, Jesse, I'm sure you probably are already aware, but there is expected to be some de- detailed clarification on what exactly Xbox plans to do with Bethesda to be announced on Thursday. I know that delaying the show isn't your style, which I respect, but I thought I would mention that it that in case it seemed wise to do it this time around, uh, I'm sure I'm not your only listener who is interested in hearing your thoughts on the news while it's still fresh, but either way, I'll be listening to your newest episode as soon as it drops on Spotify, as I always do. Happy Wednesday, dude, buddy fella. All right, thank you for commenting in with that, Eric, because first of all, I actually wasn't aware of this. So obviously, as we'll get to in the news, the Bethesda deal is finalized with Microsoft, all that good stuff, but I I haven't seen on any social media form, platform or any of the media channels I usually reference to get my Xbox news. Anything about this rumored event or or just detailed like info dump about what what's going to go on with the Bethesda deal that's supposed to go live tomorrow? So so I'm not quite sure where you were hearing this. I'm I'm not trying to doubt the validity of it. I just I as far as I know, it's just rumors because I haven't seen anything about it on any channels or websites I follow. So with that said, here here's my deal. I'm going to go ahead, do the, do today's podcast, get it out as, as is. If tomorrow, if Thursday, when this show goes live, there is some massive info dump and we learn some like really late-breaking, really important news regarding the Bethesda deal, I will record a mini-sode of Xbox on it, episode 92.5. And I will put that out there Thursday night, Friday morning, whatever, just so that you, you know you, the listeners, aren't left being like, ah, you know, good on Jesse for getting the show out on Thursday like he always does, but because he didn't delay the show a day, he totally missed the story that Bethesda's actually going to make uh, a 12 Days of Christmas game. And what, what's going to happen is it's going to be released in 12 episodic downloadable uh, bite-sized pieces where every day, every first day of December, I don't know how the 12 Days of Christmas work, but every day of the 12 Days of Christmas, you know, a different chapter of the game is released. And the really cool thing about it is every chapter is themed to a different uh, Disney property, uh, including Epcot. So, you know, I would feel like shit if I, if I missed out on that. So I, I will, I'm making the promise now, Thursday night, Thursday night's my chill night. It's the night where I get home from work and I go, ah, don't have to worry about the podcast. I can just sleep early. I can play Xbox. I can do nothing. I have no obligation. But I'm willing to sacrifice my Thursday night if something that is so pressing happens that the people must have their podcast. I promise you, I'm making the promise right now. You can't see it, but I have a knife out. I'm cutting my 
I'm cutting the palm of my hand to make a blood oath that if there is some late breaking news, I will make an episode 92.5 and I'll upload it immediately for you. Okay. There's that. Now, next we do have a little bit. I I know I said, I don't want to get political and this isn't me getting political, but I had to follow up on a story from two weeks ago. You know, that was all Harry Potter related. We just got to follow up on it because there was a new development on it. So we're not going to get full blown into it, but I would like to point out that, you know, two weeks ago we talked about over at Avalanche Software, who's, you know, now WB owned game developer, the team currently working on Hogwarts Legacy, uh, the lead designer, lead designer Troy Levitt, who was kind of under fire for his old YouTube page, has, you know, after facing all the controversy and everything about his YouTube page, has since uh, stepped down from his position and decided to leave Avalanche Software. So I just want to put that out there. You know, he has claimed he's been on Twitter. He's been active on Twitter. I've been following him, seeing what he's saying. He's been saying, you know, I'm under NDA. I can't really talk about it yet, but we will talk more about this soon. I will make a video. So we'll have an update on it soon. But he claims, you know, this has nothing to do with being canceled or this has nothing to do with him kowtowing or WB pushing him out. But I find it hard to believe, you know, no one knew who this guy was. And then Did You Know Gaming, the YouTuber, Did You Know Gaming, uh, decided to dig up some dirt on this guy and then blast, ass blast him on the Internet to try and get him canceled and then said, well, I'm not trying to get him canceled, but try to get him canceled. And then all the mainstream obnoxious media like the Kotakus and the Polygons had a fucking field day because they're all a bunch of losers who have no lives. And they're like, oh, look at this video this guy posted three fucking years ago. Uh, I guess there was nothing wrong with it back then when he was developing Cars 3 driven to win for Nintendo Wii U. But uh, now that he's working on Harry Potter, which is a quote unquote problematic game, I guess we got to cancel him. So I find it hard to believe this isn't a direct correlation to what happened in recent weeks with him but he claims it's not i'm just pointing out there this is what's happening and we will we will follow up on this story again once uh once troy puts his update video on youtube again i i did go back and watch this guy's youtube page to see if i if i agree that he's a very quote-unquote problematic person and i will say while i don't agree with a, a lot of the things he says in his videos i think he comes from a very tame point of view a very a very well argued and well defended point of view and i think i don't know the takes he has the points he makes his videos and everything i think they mostly seem to come from a point of like you can agree you can disagree but you can't go around saying this man is like some like alt-right you know fringe character because he's really just a guy with some different opinions whether or not you agree with him so i found his videos to be you know not necessarily things i agreed with but not necessarily something that was dangerous or heinous or something that someone would need to be deplatformed over so we'll put that out there that is the update on that story we will come back to it when the time comes now with all that out of the way let's jump into our regular comment section of the podcast guys you know how it works you go over to youtube.com you look up second best gaming that's my youtube page hi and then you look up the x you see the xbox on playlist there and then you go ahead you click on the latest episode you leave a comment you say something really cool like i think olive garden serves authentic italian food i then ban you or actually rather i send after a long lengthy process involving lots of paperwork i then send off to Sarugi, and then he determines whether or not you get banned. And anyway, that's that's how it works. So go over to YouTube, leave a comment if you'd like, or go over to iTunes and just rate me five stars. I like that as well. But our first comment this week comes from Sam A., first-time commenter, who says, Been listening to you for a few months now. Great listen. I found your podcast around the Series X pre-order time. I was pissed off that I couldn't get one and enjoyed sharing the frustration with you. Luckily, my friend who's a pharmacist at Walmart in bumfuck Tennessee, told our gaming group that the Walmart he works at got a shipment of them about a week after launch. All five of us drove 45 minutes and got one. 
Otherwise, I always enjoy your hot takes on politics. Sounds like you're a, a Joe Rogan experience listener. I wish we could all look at politics like Tim Dillon. I enjoy staying at Airbnbs. It gives you a lot of, quote, local perspective instead of the, quote, hotel tourist one. There's a time and place for getting an Airbnb. Last thing, Jesus Christ, the music at the end of the show always is so loud and scares the shit out of me. Shout out to whoever makes it, though. It's always great. So thank you, Sam, for writing in a lot of little a lot of little things to address here, a little, little quick ones. Let, let's, let's get some of these knocked out. Uh, the Airbnb perspective, I understand the whole why in the local perspective, but that's exactly my thing is I don't want to be a local. I don't want to know what it's like to live a day in the life of a person who, who lives wherever the hell it is I'm going. I want to know what it's like to be a tourist who turns and burns. I want to come into your home. I want to enjoy your attractions. I want to enjoy your your big must-do items and then get the fuck out of there. You know, I want to raid your hometown basically and then leave a mess and then get the fuck out. And that's kind of the hotel experience. I like that. I don't want to I don't want to find out what your actual town is like. I just want to I just want to know what the idyllic uh, Hollywood version of your of your of your place is. That's why, you know, I go to the places, I go to the theme parks, I stay at the Hiltons and then I say, "Nah, the local bar scene, fuck that." I say, "Nah, the the fact that you know the the local political system here is corrupt, fuck that." I just want to I just want to ride all these roller coasters. I want to sleep in a nice Marriott bed. And then I want to fly back to wherever the fuck I came from. As for Joe Rogan, I'm not a huge Joe Rogan uh, listener. Uh, Joe Rogan is like the podcast. I, I Well, first of all, I, I feel like everything. You know, My girlfriend's made me so insecure because she she points out the thing. She's like, she's like, you know, TikTok always says that like basically every single guy listens to, to Joe Rogan like, like, it's like a joke that, like, girls will meet guys on, like, Tinder and stuff, and they'll be like, oh, you listen to podcasts? What do you listen to? And then, like, so predictably, they'll always respond with, oh, I love Joe Rogan, blah, blah, blah. I I, I like Joe Rogan, but I, I always feel, like, weird about admitting it because I feel like it's such a, oh, stereotypical thing now. But, no, I do I do enjoy Joe Rogan. He's not a regular podcast for me. It's a uh, – Joe Rogan's more of, like, a, if I'm caught up on all my other favorite podcasts and I just kind of need something to listen to, I'll listen to Joe Rogan, like, if I'm just, like – grinding on zombies or playing some halo multiplayer and i just want to have something in the background to listen to i might put on joe rogan uh unless it's something like uh, like he has a guest that i just have to hear unless it's like one of his elon musk's uh, elon musk episodes or like he had tony hawk on last year if it's one of those episodes i'll drop everything and listen to it but i i'm not like a, oh i listen to joe rogan all the time kind of person I'm, I'm not really but but no i mean i i like joe rogan the thing i the thing i mostly like about joe rogan is his show is a lot more about his guests than it is about him and i like that joe rogan's like one of like five people in existence who's like oh well i don't really give a shit if i agree with you or disagree with you or if you're a good person or a bad person he's kind of like i'll have anyone and everyone on my show which i really appreciate he's one of the very few people in existence who's willing to Rather than be like, hey, this person's bad, let's write them off and create like a mythos around them and just kind of like annex them from humanity. Um, his approach is a little more like, hey, this person is a controversial figure. Let's give them a platform to, to speak and say their piece and we can debate with them and challenge what they say and what they think and, you know, give people an opportunity to hear multiple perspectives and formulate, you know, ideas and positions based on what they perceive to be right and wrong. So that's what I like about Joe Rogan, but... I, again, I'm not a I'm not a huge. If Joe Rogan wants to start talking about like Epcot or or something like that, if Joe Rogan wants to do a, a a podcast about video games or theme parks or something, then 
maybe I'll listen a little more regularly. But anyway, and then as for the show being super loud, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I get a lot of comments from people who tell me that the show is annoying because you know it's the show's whatever volume it is, and then at the end of the show, boom, the music turns on and it blasts in your ear and it pisses you the fuck off. And it, it, I'm not gonna lie, that gets me too. But I'm I'm not I'm not very savvy here. I'm on a audacity adjusting the volumes on the on the different channels and the different the different audio samples and everything and. I don't know, man. This this show's a lot of work. I gotta edit out all the times I fuck up and say the wrong thing or mispronounce a name. Now you want me to adjust the volume on the music? Like, calm down, okay? We're not. We don't got a fucking Dollar Shave Club budget here. We don't have a. We don't have a Patreon or anything, okay? I can only do so much, okay? Thank you so much for understanding, okay? Now, uh, and then also you say shout out to whoever makes the music. Uh, yeah, just to just to draw some attention to you know, just to rightfully turn some attention to the, the man responsible, Mr. Count Scottula, who comments in regularly on the show, um, is the one who's been providing me with all the amazing, like, emo music we've been listening to lately. Um, that's his, Those are some of his old songs from his, uh, his old bands he used to play in back in the day, I guess, what, like 10, 15 years ago? So, yeah, those are some really awesome tracks. I'm really grateful to Count Scottula for for supplying us with that and and Sam I'm really happy for you that you were able to get yourself a Series X after all the frustration and everything so thanks for commenting in and hopefully we'll hear again from you soon next we got another first time commenter Corey Long writes in and says okay but how is Lala I think this is probably the most important comment we've had in a while Corey I'm so I'm so sorry to leave you hanging and it's so selfish of me to think that this was a show about you know, our anecdotes, our shenanigans, and of course, Xbox. But you're right. Lala is an important character. She's an important part of the show. So let's 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 catch up on Lala. So Lala is doing great now. We've had her here for about a month and a half. She's come out of her shell a ton. And my girlfriend and I are really, really happy to see her starting to acclimate and get comfortable in her new home. She's just the cutest little thing in the entire world. And I'm actually so incredibly grateful to have her because I'm so incredibly allergic to cats, but for some reason, God decided to give me a pass on this one. He's like, eh, you, you won't be allergic to this cat, you know? And like, I don't know, like I've had so many ranging experiences. Like my, uh, an old friend, a childhood friend of mine, he had a cat that would like sometimes bother my allergies. Sometimes it was pretty bad. Sometimes it was really mild. Sometimes not at all. And then like my ex-girlfriend had a cat that basically just destroyed me all the time. Like I could be within like 20 feet of that cat. I would just immediately need to be hospitalized. That cat was the the fucking worst. And now, you know, I've met, you know, various other cats, whether it be from other friends and things like that, where I had varying degrees of like mild to serious allergies. So I was dreading having a cat for that reason. But Lala is perfect. It's uh, her, her body just understands that I am allergic and therefore she shall not produce the dander or whatever it is that makes me allergic to her so she is she's good she's clean I can go ahead and pet her I don't have to wash my hands I can just rub my hands all over her little face and, and pet her and all that stuff and she's adorable and she's cute and she likes it so we're good there uh but yeah she's awesome she's she's getting into her regular cat routines now she'll sleep all day and then eight o'clock hits and she randomly decides it's time to start running around the fucking apartment and beating the shit out of every little toy mouse we have and it's so adorable she'll just uh She'll just run around and, and play with her toys. It's it's really cute to watch. And the other day, I actually, you know, about a year ago, I pre-ordered Hot Wheels was doing like this little RC Tesla Cybertruck RC Hot Wheel car. So I went ahead and pre-ordered that about a year ago. And about a week ago, it finally came out and they shipped it over to me. So I, I got it in the mail. I was super excited to play with it. And I realized, oh, my God, my cat would love this. So we got the little Hot Wheel. It's like the size of a regular Hot Wheel. It's a Tesla Hot Wheel. And but it comes with a little like Xbox looking controller 
and so it's like an RC car. And what we did was we we built a little Hot Wheels track, and then we uh, put the cat in front of the track, and then just start driving the Hot Wheel around. And she freaks the fuck out. She will just get really close to the Hot Wheel and just stare at it. And you can track her eyes. She goes all over the place trying to follow this Hot Wheel. And then if we just stop the car and and don't move it for like three seconds, she'll just wait, wait, boom, and then she'll just she, she doesn't even like try to catch it or eat it or anything. She just pats. She like taps it. She's like whack like bad car for driving or something. She just like slaps it like, like a, like a gentle, like a, a loving motherly spank, I would say to the hot wheel. It's the cutest thing in the world, but Lala is doing great. She's, she's eaten. She's getting more and more adjusted to both me and my girlfriend in her new home. And thank you for asking. She's uh we're really happy to have her now. Next couple of comments, unfortunately have to do with Xbox. So Let's jump into some Halo-related comments that you guys dropped. Uh, Dead Captain James says, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, so I had no internet until I left home and got my own place in around 2008, 2009-ish. Halo 3 was my first online game ever, and it blew my mind. That feeling has never been replicated for me. Good times. Dead Captain James, I, I love anecdotes like that. Just, uh, I don't know. Uh, aside from the fact that, like, 08, 09 is, like, my prime. That's th- Those are, like, the years I'm most nostalgic for. You know, that time that time period, it's just... Uh, I don't know it's it's always awesome to hear stories like that because like I think I said last week it's like it doesn't matter how amazing the next you know the next big game is you know whatever it is that comes out you know let's say Halo Infinite's the greatest thing since sliced bread let's say you know there's some original new IP that comes out next year that's like overnight it's like a Witcher 3 type success story it doesn't matter no matter how awesome the next big game is nothing's ever going to top that experience of like a completely new thing. Like the first time you played HD video games, the first time you played video games online with a headset and you're playing with your friends and you're all in different places. Those kinds of experiences that like the 360 era brought, I feel like was one of the last like truly quote unquote next gen type experiences. So I feel you there. Sarugi says, it's funny how you kept mentioning Halo 3. Me and K-Dog decided to run through it after our failed Taco Bell adventure. My god, how good is that game? I hadn't played the campaign since the 360 days. The pacing, the score, the AI, the story, everything is just perfect. Love finding new appreciations for the classics. Sarugi, you're you're incredibly right, and, and I've been playing a lot of Halo multiplayer this past week, and I gotta be honest, another thing that Halo 3 does so masterfully that I didn't realize they had improved so much over Halo 2 with was just weapon balancing and everything. It's like Halo 3 is, you know, they, they always say like third time's the charm, you know. Halo 3 really is. Like in, in, in Halo 1, Magnums are super OP and grenades are kind of broken and all these things. In Halo 2, weapons are kind of underpowered. They do the SMG as like your primary and it kind of sucks and dual wielding's kind of broken and the needler's kind of useless unless you're dual wielding. It's like kind of hit or miss. But then you get to Halo 3. I swear to God, it's like every fucking weapon in Halo 3 is so perfectly balanced. In fact, my brother and I were kind of talking about that this week while we were playing some Halo uh, 3 multiplayer. It's just, uh, yeah, it's like everything you say, the pacing, the score, the story, they got everything right. Like, it was just the, you know, the perfect attempt at making a, a an excellent Halo game. And Joe Murphy says, so I started a couple new games from Game Pass. Dirt 5 is pretty good. Been playing that a lot now. And then I got some Taco Bell uh, and cold 2 liter size of Mountain Dew. Then I started playing Halo 3. So for a new gamer as myself getting into Halo games, uh, so far Halo 3 is really good. Halo 2 was good, but Halo 3, wow, I'm really liking it. I've been waking up late for work because I'm getting my Halo games on late into the nights. Great show as always. Joe, that's, uh, that's exactly the kind of thing I love to hear. I think that's like the ultimate testament of a good game is 
you know, like I've been playing Rage Two this week, and it's good, but like you know, it'll it'll hit like nine o'clock, and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna get a little tired. I gotta get ready for work tomorrow and all that stuff. Like I, I've had enough. I'm good. And like I think that's a good game, but like man, the the mark of a great game is the kind of game where you're like, okay, we we're like you realize it's like getting late into the night, and you gotta do something tomorrow, whether it's work or whatever obligation, and then you start in your mind thinking of all the little workarounds you can do to your routine to justify staying up a little later. It's like, okay, well, if I, uh, if I, you know, if I don't pack lunch for work tomorrow, I can save, you know, 10 minutes off my getting ready time tomorrow. Or it's like, or if I just, uh, I, I don't know if it's like, uh, I just lay out my clothes before I go to bed and do this and that. It's like, I might be able to sleep in a little extra, which means I can justify staying up a little later. And you start to like come up with the excuses in your head, as to why you're going to stay up and do one more game, one more game, or one more mission, one more level, whatever it is. And, dude, Halo 3 is totally one of those games where, you know, that that's like the mark of a truly great game is the game that has, that just makes you say, like, I got to figure out what happens next. I got to play one more match, one more level. That was so fun. I, or I think I got it next time. Just like that kind of game is so special. And to me, as someone who plays video games very regularly, I find that to be the case not very often at all with games. It's, you know, I, I find games to be either boring, fun, but I can control the amount of time I spend with it. And then there's the ultra rare, which is the, I cannot put this game down because it's so good. And we don't, you don't get many of those. So it's always, it's always a really memorable experience when you do. Now, the next couple of comments, guys, I want to dedicate to our guys to Rugi. It's the second time in a while in, in recent history, actually, that he's, um, done a slur a, a slew of comments back to back like this so i'm labeling this the sarugi power hour episode two his first comment says 142 hours of assassin's creed valhalla and i'm finally done it's been one of the games i've played it's been the only game i've played since getting in since getting my series x on launch day with the exception of the campaign run through on halo 3 and 4 which is like, you know, they're like seven hours each. Loved every second of the game, and I'm super keen for the DLC. To cleanse my palate, in the last week, I've managed to play and finish The Medium, The Tourist, Donut County, and I'm nearly done with New Super Lucky's Tale. No real point to this post except to add a bit of Xboxiness to the show. Sarugi, glad to see you loved Valhalla. Glad to see you're playing Halo, of course, more, more than anything. I'm glad to see you found the time to play all these games, beat all these games, and, you know, get a lot of good time and value spent with your new series X, but we don't need to add a bit of Xboxiness to the show. Sarugi, you know, damn well that, you know, Taco Bell is to Xbox as breathing is to survival, you know? So we can talk about what we got to talk about. We can talk about the hospital with the Longhorn Steakhouse. And I think, you know, even the most, even the most, uh, barely familiar, barely familiar with the brand kind of Xbox fan, the, the, the Xbox fan with the least exposure to the culture and the brand would still be able to pick up on, you know, even out of context that, Oh, that's an Xbox podcast. So what is that they're talking about? Oh, there's a Portillo's opening up in Orlando. Oh yeah. That's an Xbox podcast. So we don't need to pad it out with Xbox commentary. I think the people know when it's about Xbox. And so Nonetheless, I do appreciate your comment. Now, Sarugi, this is your power hour, not mine, so let's continue on. You say, instead of ending your show with power your dreams, it should be PepsiCo is life. Sarugi, that definitely doesn't have a ring to it the way power your dreams does, but I definitely do jive with and uh, and relate to that that motto a lot more. I think it's definitely a little more, a lot more in line with who I am and what this show is about. So I do love PepsiCo's life. Um... But before we adopt that as the permanent, you know, end to the show, I think, you know, for those, 
I think that we should have, you know, maybe leave the floor open to others, you know. So that's to anyone here. Feel free to comment in. You know, at the end of every episode, I say, guys, power your dreams, you know, because that's the Xbox Series X tagline is power your dreams. But if you guys think we can do better than that, please feel free to either build off what Sarugi has suggested here or come up with your own idea entirely. We can we can workshop this and come up with a, a new little tag to end the show with. I'm, I'm open minded to that. We can go PepsiCo is life. And then maybe maybe every every episode I'll go PepsiCo is life. And then right after I say that, I'll you know, like open up a can of Pepsi. You hear the little snap. Of the can and the little fizz. Maybe we could do that every... And remember, guys, PepsiCo is life. I don't know. What what do you think, guys? Sarugi, genius as always. Thank you. And and lastly, Sarugi, as we round out your Power Hour Part 2, you say, Stadia did what Microsoft did with Windows Phone. Came in late and were non-committal. This is exactly why Microsoft has been so focused on pushing xCloud and Game Pass and being the only show in town. I think you're right. No, this is exactly right. For people who are a little laser focused on Xbox and and don't follow Microsoft as a whole as much, I think this may be lost a little bit. But that is a very that is a very Microsoft thing to do historically is, you know, dip one toe into the water and then be like, Well, we gave it our all and it didn't totally work out. I guess we failed, or I guess the market doesn't have room for us, or I guess, you know, they, they don't try hard enough. I think Google's actually way, more, as you mentioned here with Stadia, I do think Google's way more guilty of that than, than Microsoft, but I think a lot of these tech companies in general do. I think Amazon does it, but the, the most notorious players, I think, in this, in this, uh, practice are definitely Microsoft and Google, but I would say Google's the worst for sure. But, but yes, that is exactly why Windows Phone failed. It's not because, it's not because Windows Phone wasn't good. Windows Phone was damn good. That's why the people who did have it miss it so dearly is because it was like pretty much objectively better than iOS and Android. It's just that Microsoft came to the game way too late and were never that invested. We're never that serious. They never really put in the money, the marketing and the effort into getting into that the way they should have. And, you know, Bill Gates says to this day, that's his biggest regret in his career with Microsoft was not, you know, see like foreseeing, you know, the role that phones were going to play in our, in our lives and uh, the prevalence that they, you know, of having, you know, a smart device in everyone's pocket. Although the funny thing about that is Microsoft was probably like one of the more involved companies with like the pocket computer, you know, in the decade. And so before the iPhone was even a thing. So it's, it's only fitting that they still fucked it up despite, you know, having the advantage over everyone else back in the late nineties and early 2000s and whatnot. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what we're seeing here with xCloud is that Microsoft knows that with Azure and everything, they already had the upper hand uh, with, with Xbox being a, a well-established brand and with Azure cloud technology being what it what it is and so so good, I think Microsoft already knew it's like, we're already positioned to beat Stadia. We just need to stay laser focused on this and keep pushing and pushing and pushing and making it better. And, you know, pretty soon we'll be the de facto, like the, the place to go for cloud gaming. And I think... I think so far that's why they're succeeding as well. It's because they are there early. They're doubling down on it, investing and pushing hard. And I think it's going to pay off if they stick with it. Don't do a Zoom. Don't do a Windows phone. Don't throw something out there. Let it exist. Let it flounder. Let it flail around. Let the fanboys cry for more. And then be like, well, time to cancel it. That, that's a very Steve Ballmer era Microsoft thing. I think uh, Satya Nadell is a little more calculated as a CEO and has a little more vision and focus on what the what the company does, but that's neither here nor there. This is an Xbox show after all, not a Microsoft in general show. Eddie Lawson comes in and says, "Lol, I have Game Pass, and all I use it for is Minecraft. 
Eddie, I, I think if you have Game Pass and you're paying 15 bucks a month for it or 10 bucks a month for it or whatever, and all you're doing is playing Minecraft, I don't think you have Game Pass. I think you may just be subscribed to Minecraft at that point. So you might want to just invest the 20 bucks in buying Minecraft and ditching Game Pass at that point just to save yourself, you know, the money in the long run. But, you know, to each his own. If, if, if this is what brings you happiness, by all means. Now, my mother writes in and says, whatever happened to Tiny Tank? I remember you guys, you guys referring to me and my siblings when we were growing up. I remember you guys would play that, and it cracked me up to listen to it. Also, thanks for trashing my childhood. Yes, I know Star Wars Legacy extended far beyond my youth, but it was an important part of my development as an individual. Luke Skywalker is awesome, and Yoda is still my guru master. Well, Mom, first of all, yes, I shat all over Luke Skywalker. I was not shitting all over Yoda. I was shitting over Baby Yoda, which is technically a different character, and I guess the character's name isn't technically Baby Yoda, but I don't watch The Mandalorian, so I don't know what his real name is. So only half of that is true that I was shitting on your childhood. So I only half shit on your childhood, Mom, okay? Now... You say, whatever happened to Tiny Tank, I remember you guys talking about that and playing it, blah, blah, blah. Okay, my mom here, this is extremely, this is an extremely DeRosa deep cut here, but uh, my mom is referring to a PlayStation 1 exclusive game called Tiny Tank that released in 1999. So this, is, this isn't even remotely an Xbox-related thing, but yes, Tiny Tank is this third-party, sorry, third-person uh, shooter, plat- like kind of platforming, but mostly, yeah, like shooter platformer. Um, game that came out in 1999 exclusively for PS1. It was published by Sony and it was developed by a developer. It was made by a developer called uh, Appaloosa Interactive, which were from like which were from somewhere in Europe. I think they had like a, a team somewhere in the U.S. That team has since been defunct since like the mid 2000s, and they mostly you know they made a couple of contra games. They, they actually, it's actually the developer uh, behind Echo the Dolphin. That's probably what they're most famous for is the Sega. The Sega Genesis game Echo the Dolphin in, in its subsequent sequels. But, you know, other than Echo the Dolphin, a couple of Contra sequels they made, and Tiny Tank, really all they worked on were, like, some low-budget games and some sports games, and I think they did a... They did some other licensed game, but, like, they, they weren't a big developer. They were always a small developer, and Tiny Tank just so happened to be a really... You know, it, nothing else they ever made was really like Tiny Tank, but it was a, it was a fun... It was a really fun game. Yeah, my mom's right. Me and my siblings love that game because it's really, really like uh, like raunchy and tongue-in-cheek kind of uh, sarcastic, comedic game. It was, it's really funny and cute. I'm sure at least the writing and the cutscenes probably hold up if you go on YouTube and look it up. It's a, it's a very fun game. It had very good soundtrack, but entirely unrelated to Xbox Mother. There's a, there's a reason why we don't talk about Tiny Tank on the show, and it's because it has no relevancy to the Xbox brand. But I do appreciate you... Uh, reminding me of a game we played in 1999 on the PlayStation 1, nonetheless. Now, our next section of comments here, before we get into the the final comments, is this... You guys wanted to talk about Star Wars. Last week, we talked about who's the best Star Wars character, who's the most overrated Star Wars character, and you guys wanted to bring this back up. My brother says, I've been a massive Star Wars fan my whole life. The Mandalorian isn't that good. You are not missing much by having by not having seen it. The show, the characters, Baby Yoda, it's all meh. That hater Lethal Migraine just likes it because they canceled an actress or something who was on the show. Honestly, it's a waste of an opportunity. They could have had a version of Logan, and instead they had a kid-friendly, nonsensical romp around the galaxy where a badass bounty hunter secretly has a big heart and devotes his life to protecting an infant. It's dumb. I mean, 
obviously that's your take, but you know, if that's, if that's a pretty representative take of what the show is, I'd probably be inclined to agree with that. But of course, you know, I haven't seen the show, so I can't really speak to it. Brother, I'm going to make, make a statement, Josiah, my young brother. You're like me a little bit in that sometimes you're just being a little bit of a hipster. So I know I'm, I'm here hating on the Mandalorian and now you're hating on the Mandalorian. The difference is I haven't seen it. You have seen it. So let's make sure we're not doing that thing where we're just hating something that's popular because it's popular. Okay. We don't want to be, don't want to be those douchebags, young brother. But nonetheless, you say it could have been their version of Logan. God, I love Logan. That was such a great movie. That's that Logan is seriously one of the, it's not, I mean, obviously Wolverine's like a quote unquote superhero, but Logan is one of the best quote like quote superhero movies of all time, even though it's not a superhero movie. It's basically like a Western movie, but God damn, Logan is, I don't understand how like Logan came out in what, March of 2017. And like, you think about all the movies that came out around that time, a little before, a little after. And it's like, everyone's talking about Deadpool and Avengers and Spider-Man and all this stuff. And don't get me wrong. All those other movies are pretty good as well, but God damn, Logan is so much better than any other Marvel movie that came out, you know, a couple years before or after. It's, it really is like probably one of the top three greatest Marvel movies of all time. Logan is so good. Anyway, I don't know why I'm saying that. So Lethal Migraine says, the best Star Wars character is Darth Maul. The worst is Luke. The Mandalorian is the best Star Wars content by far. Edit, I posted this before you said your opinion on Luke. Okay, well, Lethal Migraine, now you you take the opposite approach of my brother, and you're saying that the Mandalorian is the best Star Wars content by far. Now, Lethal Migraine, you can be a bit of a naysayer as well, so we got to make sure that you're not just being a contrarian as well, because we know you hate mostly everything we talk about ever, and you definitely hate all the new Star Wars movies. So by liking Mandalorian, are you just trying to be counterculture and be like, oh, new movies are dumb, but the show's cool. So now I'm trying to hold your feet to the fire a little bit as well. You see, the thing is, Xbox On is really just a front to make everyone super insecure about who they are and what their opinions are. And that's what I'm trying to do here, Lethal Migraine. Is Darth Maul really that cool, or are you just a Star Wars hipster? No, but I actually agree. I think Darth Maul is a pretty damn cool character that is incredibly underutilized, underwritten, and should have survived for the episodes two and three. I think that would have made that uh, trilogy a lot better. But Sam Torres does our last Star Wars comment here and says, I see your point. Baby Yoda is kind of... Baby Yoda kind of overshadows the Mandalorian exposure-wise. You have two seasons of a show to watch and no wait between episodes. Don't let the cancel. Don't let the cute culture overlord from baby Yoda step. Stop you from partaking in something so star Wars yet. Unlike the majority of the other movies in the, in the universe, pretty good stuff. This is something they fucking got right. Sam, with that said, I, I, I want to let you let it be known. I do want to see Mandalorian someday. It's just, I don't know. I might wait until this show's like entirely done and then just watch the whole thing. I don't know. Fuck it. One day, I should I should say I did watch episode one of The Mandalorian back when it first came out in like late 2019. So I have seen 45 minutes of The Mandalorian. I thought it was slow and boring, but I'm not going to judge the show based off its first episode. I know it's, it picks up from there. You don't really know much about a show just from the first episode, but I, I have seen something in that universe. Now, the rest of the comments here are just a hodgepodge of other shit, so let's round out the comments today with these. My brother comes back and says, Even though I think that new Alien game will be dead on arrival, I still can't wait to get it. I'll play or watch anything with the Alien IP. Well, if there were more people like you, maybe that game wouldn't flop, but it's gonna flop. Uh, Count Scottyla, a resident musician and uh, emo boy and uh, guy who plays all the loud music that makes your ears melt, even though it's my fault for not lowering the volume, uh, writes in and says, 
I love the Halo screenshots shown last week. I think it looks really good. I've been wishing they'd move back to the older style sniper scope as well. It's the perfect blend of Halo Reach and Halo 5 with the sniper body. I'm not concerned about the screenshots being PC pictures. I think the Series X version will be very similar to the untrained eye graphics wise. I am concerned with the entire campaign. I am concerned that the entire campaign is going to be uh, a Pacific Northwest forest in a valley uh, with the rest of your time being spent inside Forerunner structures. Don't get me wrong, it looks gorgeous. However, I need variety. The initial trailer showed us a deep forest, desert, coastal areas, mountains, so hopefully they don't screw it up. If I don't get some variety, I'm doing what Halo fans do and complaining on Reddit. That's uh, perfectly put because that is what Halo fans do. Count Skyla, I, I read your comment initially and I was like, you know what? That's a really good point I hadn't considered, and now it's a concern of mine as well. But I, I agree. If the game was just like a big green foresty Halo ring, and then sometimes you go in these Forerunner structures and and stuff like that, then it would be it would be very 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 boring. Like if every if every level of Halo, if every level of or if every aspect of the world of Halo Infinite was just basically like. Uh, Halo, the level Halo from Combat Evolved or Assault and Control Room or any of those kind of levels, if it was just like that on endless repeat, I would be very, very sad, but I don't think that's the case. I think what they're doing is very intentionally showing us a very limited... They're trying to show a lot about the game with a limited environment because they want that experience to be like, wow, now I'm playing the game. I see just how big this is. I see how just how much there is to do, how much there is to explore. So my guess is that there's a lot to see and, and keep in mind, you know, we've only seen one gameplay demo of the game. So, but yes, I, I, I understand your concern and I want to share it, but at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty confident that is one thing they won't get wrong here. I think there will be um, many varied environments. We got to get some desert, you know, Halo 3 showed us that Halo deserves desert levels. Mavsman says, First and foremost, we failed you as a community. 22 comments from last week. We suck. Let's step it up this week. We need more shit-talking Taco Bell and Mountain Dew talk with a sprinkle of Xbox. Since after all, since after all, if you're not aware, this is an Xbox podcast. Two things. EA's King, did you ever even adhere to your seven-day to your seven-day to try Taco Bell policy? We never heard from you, so I'm assuming no. Welcome to Banland. And secondly, after two... After months of listening, I have an actual Xbox question, since this is an Xbox podcast, after all. What are your thoughts on Black Ops Outbreak mode? I'm not the biggest fan of traditional zombies modes, and I find Outbreak to be a nice change of pace. Definitely think there is some room for improvement, but not a bad starting point. So, thanks for writing in, Mavs, man. I think that's a really um, really nice of you to bring up the EA's King thing here, because he hasn't commented in a while, and he was supposed to be banned for not trying Taco Bell, so I'm starting to wonder if maybe we scared him off, or... Maybe he tried Taco Bell, and since he hadn't had it his whole life, his body wasn't worthy. His adult body wasn't worthy of the bell, and it, it caused him to wither and, and fail. So I, I don't know what the case is, but EA's King, if you're out there, please, please comment. Your ban is over, and we need we need to make sure that you're safe and well. Please, and thank you. But as for your question here, I have played Outbreak on Black Ops. Now, I should say Outbreak, Outbreak came with season two. I played so much Black Ops Cold War that like I'm done with it. I finished the season one battle pass. I played the fuck out of the first two zombie maps and all the multiplayer. I'm done. Like I got my fix. I need to put Black Ops down so I can move on and do the rest of gaming. I'm so behind on my backlog and the games I thought I was going to be playing right now and everything because Call of Duty set me back so much. So I've put it down. I'm not getting sucked into season two. I tried the new multiplayer map once. It kind of sucks. It's a sniper fest. So fuck that. And then I, I played Outbreak a couple of times, but here's the catch. 
I'm not crazy about it because I'm just the opposite of you. I love traditional zombies and I don't like big open zombie battle royale shit. But I, I think Outbreak is big, interesting, and kind of boring at the same time. It's like the the concept of it is interesting, but once you start playing it, you get bored real fast. Now, in all fairness, I've been playing solo. And Outbreak is definitely a mode that is begging to be played with a group of friends. So I'm playing it wrong, definitely. But it, it's not grabbing me. And rather than continuing to play it and watch videos on it and try to learn what the, the hook is, uh, I decided to take it not sinking its hooks into me immediately as an opportunity to get out of the game so that I can finally play something else. Um, so no, I'm not, I'm not really enjoying Outbreak too much, but... I'll probably come back to it at some point. You know, when they when they put in a traditional third map, I'll definitely be back for more zombies. But it's not really my thing. But I I am glad to see that you're enjoying it um, for sure. And I, and I do agree. It's a nice change of pace to just add more variety. Now, one thing I totally forgot is apparently last week they added the option to play Spe- uh, uh, Spec Ops Arcade or whatever it's called, uh, the zombie arcade mode, the twin stick shooter mode. Apparently, you can play that in first person mode permanently now. And I really want to go back and play that because that mode's awesome. There's like pirate ships and all that shit. And to play that like a regular zombies game would be badass. So I definitely want to check that out. Um, but our final comments, our final two comments here. Let's get into those real quick. Mr. Miggy says, no need to apologize about the last shows being political. You can talk about whatever you want and we'll happily listen no matter what. Prop Hunt is back on Cold War. Hashtag bring back Windows Phone. I really love Surface devices, but wish they weren't so expensive. So Mr. Miggy, first of all, I appreciate that very kind comment, but politely... You- you can't speak for the whole community. I appreciate that you are okay with letting me say whatever I got to say, but you know, I don't think everyone here wants to listen to me get political and it's just like, ah, oh, you know, I'll just listen to whatever Jesse has to say. I don't, I don't think that's very fair. So I do appreciate you being so welcoming and accepting of whatever it is I want to talk about on the show. It's very kind of you, but let, let, let's, let's be clear here. I don't, don't stroke my ego so much because you know, w- one day I'm talking to Xbox, you know, great Xbox, the next day I'm talking Taco Bell and you're like, not Xbox, but okay, I'll take it. Next day I'm talking politics and you're like, okay, not Xbox, but whatever, I trust Jesse. And then the day after that, you know, you're living in a communist dictatorship and I'm and I'm ruling your life and rationing out the kind of food and, and, and essentials that you're allowed access to. And Mr. Miggy, that's a slippery slope. Make sure you never, you never give anyone too much of a platform and too much control over any situation because that's power and what you're doing here is you're giving me all the power and you don't want to do that Mr. Mickey you want to make sure you as the consumer you as the listener you hold me accountable and you tell me what you want as a, as a listener you say Jesse you dumb bitch talk about Windows Phone or Xbox or the show's over so just put that out there now hashtag bring back Windows Phone I love it and, and you're right there Surface devices are, are super expensive they, they're definitely the premium uh, we can do our Apple price tag thing on this device thing so it is it does suck that Surface devices are expensive but I will say there are ways to do for affordable Surfaces especially the one that came out last year they do the Surface Laptop Go which is like a $500 laptop it is a Surface Laptop shrunk down um, so I mean if you want a Surface device the Surface Laptop Go is a pretty affordable way to get into the Surface brand. So at least they have, you know, a little variety, a little spectrum of, of pricing tiers with their uh, product range. But I'm not here to sell you on a Surface. I'm here to talk Xbox. So our final comment comes from Flips Mad, Mad Max, who says, if they don't make a Titanfall 3, it'll be a missed opportunity. Been playing Far Cry 4 with the new updated boost FPS. It's so much better than before. Feels like a new game. Hope the other title, hope other titles get this boost as well. Well, they are, but a... Uh, 
but at a quicker pace. Yeah, this this Series X is so freaking good. It's a legit monster. Thanks, uh, Flips Mad Max, and and I would like to just say yes, we better get a Titanfall three. I th- I think I think we will. It may not be as fast as we want it to to get here, but I really do feel deep in my bones that at some point we will get a Titanfall three. And that will be the game to decide. If Titanfall 3 doesn't stick, then that franchise is gone and it's just Apex Legends. But I, I kind of feel like we're going to get a Titanfall 3. So let's let's hold on to hope here, guys. But that is going to do it for all of our comments, shoutouts, whatever, questions, thoughts, whatever. Remember for next week, guys, don't be shy. Reply. And now we're going to jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you what I've been playing, I must tell you all about what I've been eating. Guys, if you didn't know... This past week, or last week, whatever it was, Microsoft, Halo, 343, whatever, teamed up with Pringles, the the chip the, the chip brand Pringles that come in the little tube stack, uh, to make an exclusive Halo Pringles flavor. So it is a Moa Burger flavor Pringles. Let me explain this. You know what Pringles are. You know, you get the sour cream and onion ones, you get the cheddar ones, you get the pizza ones, the Pringles, the potato chips, okay? So now for, you know, this was obviously supposed to be like a marketing tie-in for Halo Infinite, but now we've got the Moa Burger. A Moa, for those who aren't familiar, is a ostrich-looking, emu-looking bird creature from the planet Reach. Uh, you'll you'll know this, if you play Halo Reach, actually, in the first level, you see Moas. You can, you can shoot them and run them over, actually. Um, so they're those like emu-looking, ostrich-looking bird characters from Halo Reach, and uh, I guess in the Halo universe, they they kill them and use their meat to make burgers out of, I guess it's a commonly consumed animal, a protein. So I think it's really, really fun and cool that they're like, oh, let's let's have some fun with this. Let's make a chip that, you know, tastes like a burger made from this animal's meat. I think that stuff's really fun, you know? It'd be one thing if it's just like, oh, you know, buy uh, any can of Pringles, classic Pringles, and uh, there'll be a code to get double XP on Halo Infinite, and we put Master Chief on the uh, on the packaging. Like that's one thing, one kind of marketing tie-in. But this is way more fun. Is to like make a new flavor, make it themed into the world. This is way more like something for like real fans of of Halo to really appreciate and enjoy. And so I really love that they did this. And you know, as a theme park fan, I, I especially love this because I think we even said on the show once, like if there was a Halo theme park land. What would they do for, like, the food offerings there? So I guess they could have Moa burgers, which, you know, if, if you've seen the packaging, you know that it looks like a basically like a quadruple patty cheeseburger. So I'm all about it. So anyway, I went to Walmart the other day hoping to find it, and I had no trouble at all finding them, actually. They had a, a shelf full of them. So I said, hell yeah, I picked up two packs, one for collection and one for eating, and I took them home, excited to try them out, and got to be honest with you guys, these things suck. They're, they're really bad. <laughs> so the, there's like a ginger flavor to them, and it's kind of gross. I'm not a huge ginger fan, but it's it's a strong hint of... It's a strong, punch punchy ginger flavor, and I don't like that at all. I don't know why they didn't just decide to try to do like some fucking barbecue cheeseburger flavor or something like that's everyone would love, but no, they're like, oh, let's do like some ginger tangy thing, turkey burger looking thing, and uh, it, it's not good. And I'm really sad to say it because... I think they nailed the concept and the, and the idea of the product and super fun, but they just fucked up the flavor. So I'd like to see them do more of this. Like they should do like a fucking halo themed pop tart or like a, like a halo Tostino's pizza rolls or something like that. It'd be fun. Like come up with a interesting flavor. That's like halo universe food. But uh, yeah, this is uh this one is a miss. The flavor is not good. 
I recommend you still buy them just to try them or collect the box or something if you're a weird person like me who collects like Mountain Dew flavors. But um, yeah, it's not it's not very good. So that's what I've been what I've been eating. And oh, I gotta say, whoever it was who commented last week about Portillo's opening in Orlando, Portillo's is not open in Orlando. I I told my friend Hunter, I was like, hey, we gotta check out Portillo's. And he's like, dude, this one's not, this location's not open yet. And we pulled it up on Google. It looks like there's just a bunch of random reviews for other restaurants and other Portillo's locations that people commented on and left on this Portillo's location that's still under construction. So not open yet, but you know, I almost went on, on nothing but your recommendation, your uh, sharing of the news that this place was supposedly open, but it's, it's not. So I want to put that out there as well. Now, as, that's what I've been eating, but as for what I've been playing, guys, I've been, you know, I've been taking kind of a week off, not really a week off, but I've been taking more of a passive week in gaming. I'm playing Xbox a little bit every day, but I'm not really doing anything too active. I'm just kind of like killing time. So I've been playing a lot of Halo 2 multiplayer for some reason. So lots of Halo 2 and Halo 2 Anniversary uh, multiplayer. Got to be honest, Halo 2 being the game I sp- the, in the franchise I spent the least amount of time with, it can be really fun to play Halo 2 multiplayer because it just feels the less, the least familiar. So it's like, I don't know, it's like the closest thing I can feel to like new Halo is like playing Halo 2 Anniversary multiplayer on Master Chief Collection. And I, I don't know, I've been enjoying it a lot actually for some reason. That's one of the things I love about Master Chief Collection so much is it's like, you know, I can play Halo 3 multiplayer for like weeks on end and be like, okay, I'm done. And then come back to him and be like, ah, oh, now I want to play Halo 2. And then that's good. And then come back and I'm like, ah, oh, now I want to play Halo 4. And for some reason... They they all age so well that I'm like always equally in the mood to play any of them, and it's always a good time. And man, Halo is one of the only franchises in the world that can offer that level of fun. But uh, yeah, I've been playing that. Uh, I downloaded Rage Two, which has been on Game Pass for a while now, and um, I started playing that. I, honestly, I'm just skipping cutscenes, not even paying attention to the story. I know it's stupid. I know it's a it's a dumb kind of run of the mill experience from like a story perspective so immediately i was like i don't even like if i try to focus on the story it's going to pull me out of the game so let me just try to enjoy it from a gameplay perspective guys rage 2 is a lot it's a lot more fun than i thought that game is really good it 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 feels like wolfenstein or doom but with like better aim assist you know it's that id tech engine of course uh, but with way better aim assist so unlike wolfenstein or, or doom i think it feels kind of better on controller because it's just easier to snap to enemies when you're trying to just aim and shoot. But like it feels fast and fluid and you can like you can like kick slide and like drive a car drive like cool Mad Max vehicles around the wasteland. It's a it's a fun game. I'm really enjoying the gameplay loop and the kind of fun, colorful aesthetic of the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'll beat it, but it's definitely a fun killing time kind of game. And what I've really been killing time for is I ordered Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition on eBay. I got it for like 18 bucks, and I'm just kind of waiting for that to come in the mail. Actually, at the time I'm recording this, it's supposed to be in the mail today, so it's in my mailbox right now, I guess. But um, yeah, I got Bulletstorm, Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition, um, kind of an in anticipation for out. Um, Outriders coming out. I'm excited to play that game. So I'm like, fuck it. Let me play People Can Fly's previous game before I, you know, before Outriders comes out so I can be more familiar with their previous work, especially considering Bulletstorm's a game I've been trying to, I've been meaning to get around to since it came out in like 2010, 2011 or whatever. So I'm looking forward to getting into that this this weekend. But other than that, that's kind of what I've been playing or anticipating playing. Um, and with that out of the way, guys, I think it's time to jump into the news. 
So much for getting this episode under an hour and a half. Anyway, well, it, it, it is a little bit of a, sn- a slower news week. Or it's fewer stories, fewer big stories, a bunch of little ones, but still a lot to talk about. So let's just jump right in. Our first story from Xbox Wire. This is basically, you know, everything is official. This past week, the uh, deal with the Bethesda acquisition that Microsoft is doing, you know, buying up ZeniMax Media and Bethesda and all these studios, the deal was approved this week by uh, EU regulation agencies, but had already been approved in the US a few months ago by the SEC. So now it is official, like everyone has approved it, the deal can go through. As of Tuesday, the deal is official, it's set in stone, it's inked, it's paid for or whatever, it's done. ZeniMax Media, you know, Bethesda, Arcane, Machine Games, Tango Gameworks, all of them, Alpha Dog, Roundhouse Studios, Arcane, all these guys are officially, it's software, officially part of Team Xbox, of Microsoft, you know, it's all there. So the thing's inked, it's set in stone, lethal migraine, we can stop saying, don't talk about it, it's not official yet, it's official now. So the post from Xbox Wire, I just want to read it off to you, I think it's the best way to kind of put into words what's going on here, but the post from Xbox Wire reads, this is an exciting day for Xbox, today we officially complete the acquisition of ZeniMax Media, parent company of Bethesda Softworks. It's an honor to welcome eight incredibly talented development studios, Bethesda Game Studios, id Software, ZeniMax Online Studios, Arcane, Machine Games, Tango Gameworks, AlphaDog, and Roundhouse Studios, and their passionate global communities to the Xbox family. Now that everything is official, we can begin working together to, to deliver more great games to everyone. At every step building toward this moment, I've been inspired to motivate and motivated by the create the creativity, insight, and community first approach that the talented people of Bethesda have had. Our goal is to get now this this post is written by Phil Spencer. Sorry for proper context of where this is coming from. And he continues on. Our goal is to give these teams the best foundation for doing their greatest work as we continue to build Xbox into an inclusive platform for all players. This is the next step in building an industry leading first party studio team, a commitment we have to our Xbox community. So that's an important one. This is an this is the next step in building an industry-leading first-party studio team, a commitment we have to our Xbox community. With the addition of Bethesda Creative Teams, gamers should know that Xbox consoles, PC, and Game Pass will be the best place to experience new Bethesda games. Also important to note, the best place to experience new Bethesda games. Not the only place, the best place. Including some new titles in the future that will be exclusive to Xbox and PC players. This is them throwing you a bone because we won't stop talking about it. Uh, And then they round out with this. As we shared previously, it's vitally important that Bethesda continues making games the way it always has. We look forward to empowering Bethesda's creative teams to reach out to reach even more players around the world, helping make future Bethesda titles the biggest and most important games in the history. Xbox and Bethesda have long shared a common vision for the future of gaming. Both as fans and as creators, Bethesda understands the potential of Xbox Game Pass. So that's it. It's official. Now we don't have to talk about the the rumors, the this, the that. We can we can start talking in more confident and assured ways that Bethesda is now part of Team Xbox, like it or not. And with that, time to start reading between the lines and figuring out what's coming to Xbox exclusively, what's coming out timed, what's going to PlayStation, what, what's happening here and there. Because I think that's the thing most people are really excited about. It, it, it's, it's so interesting because... I, I found a lot of like the Xbox fan community in my Twitter feed the, over the past year or so as as I've done more and more of the show. And I guess what I mean by that is I've, I've begun to follow more Xbox people on my Twitter feed. And unfortunately, you know, Twitter being the worst representation of humanity, what, I, what I've been seeing more and more is just like how obnoxious the more passionate side, if you will, of Xbox fandom is. 
in that it almost doesn't seem like people are excited about Xbox acquiring Bethesda because they're like, oh, well, you know, we want awesome first-party exclusive games for Xbox, or, you know, like, this will make Bethesda games even better. It's more because it's like, yes, we got a leg up. Fuck you, Sony. We win. Uh, PlayStation bad. Xbox good. It's like, guys, do you even care about, like, just your platform being better, a better place to play for the sake of your platform being where you like to play video games? Or do you want it to just be better because you want to dunk on people who purchased a PlayStation instead of an Xbox because that was their choice and what they wanted? Like, it, it's just so crazy to me that the, the conversation seems almost entirely steeped around, like, what was that about Xbox has no exclusives? Now, I, I understand, obviously, that is a fair thing to be met to be mentioning it which is that you know xbox's biggest struggle especially through the xbox one generation was a poor lineup of first party content and now with all the acquisitions they made in the previous few years paired with now the bethesda acquisition yeah that problem is that problem is solved it might be a little rough for a year or two while they really get the cadence going but you know long term the first party lineup is strong but i i really want this the, the only reason i preface with all that is because i really want this to be a celebration of bethesda joining team xbox not a console war fanboy dunking contest so i want to preface with that now here, here's what we know we know that tango game works new game ghostwire tokyo and arcane's new game Deathloop are PlayStation exclusives. That's just it's just simple. They inked these deals with Sony before this deal happened, so these games are coming exclusively to PlayStation 5. I would not be surprised if we find out later on, maybe after a year or something, there's a way that we can get these games on Xbox and that the exclusivity is timed to PlayStation, sure. But as of now, those are the two most imminent Bethesda games coming out, and they're both exclusive to PlayStation, which is hilarious, right? And then what else is there after that? Well, there's Bethesda's working on Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield. We know Starfield is first, which is still a ways out. And then we know Elder Scrolls 6 is after that. So Elder Scrolls 6 is uh, conceivably a next-gen game. And I don't mean next-gen like Series X. I mean next-gen like the console that replaces the Series X. It's like that far out. So again, we, we know that was really stupid that Bethesda announced it so prematurely all those years back. But, you know, this is the world we're living in. They did it. Here we are. And so now it's this question of, okay, so these these teams are on Team Xbox. What does that mean? What's exclusive to Xbox? Who's working on what? What can we expect? So let's go down the list of, of, of studios and talent that are required here, right? So we've got Bethesda Game Studios, which is what we just said. It's Starfield and Elder Scrolls. So I saw Ryan McCaffrey and some other people from IGN were talking on Twitter kind of publicly about about this, this very thing, like, what if they shelved Avowed and told Obsidian to go help uh, Bethesda with development on Elder Scrolls so that they can have a team on Starfield, a team on Elder Scrolls, and try to get that game out a lot sooner than, you know, seven or eight years or whenever it will be that the game comes out, you know, and then people were, like, blowing up and freaking out over that for some fucking reason, like, how dare you, why do you want to cancel Avowed? It's like, dude, chill out, no one said cancel Avowed. But I don't know. This is a this is a curious situation because now we have, you know, I think a lot of us who are Xbox fans were really excited about Avowed because one, I mean, a lot of gamers know that, you know, Obsidian just makes generally better games than Bethesda. So it was kind of cool that like Microsoft got Obsidian and now they're making like their own kind of Fallout and Elder Scrolls type games to compete with. But then but then after that, Microsoft bought ZeniMax. So it's like, oh, okay, so what's going on here? Well, I think a new way to look at this is now Xbox owns like all aspects of like the Fallout franchise and, and Elder Scrolls. So they can have all these affiliated studios between InXile and, uh, and Obsidian and Bethesda kind of 
sharing and working together to get these Fallout and Elder Scrolls projects done. I think that's really cool. They could get, you know, ZeniMax Online Studios to maybe work a little, like, maybe start to sunset a little bit Elder Scrolls Online and start to help with regular Elder Scrolls development. There's a lot of ways they can try to help share the development to get this game out the door in a time period that is actually, like, feasible and, like, possible for people to wrap their brains around. So that's that's one thing, and that and that's just Bethesda Softworks alone. Okay, all right. There, let's put them aside for a minute because that's that's probably the most complicated one. Then you got then you got ID Software. Okay, ID. These are the guys that make Doom. We know they're working on Doom um, DLC right now, and then they'll presumably make a Doom three after that. Okay, so that one's not as you know hard to wrap your brain around. You think maybe there'll be a new Doom in like three or four years? Okay. That's probably what they're going going to getting to work on right now. Okay, we get we got that. Okay, that's good. Next is Zenimax Online Studios. They're the ones that do Elder Scrolls Online. Now that's what I was saying. That's a team you could probably like, you know, spin off a B team that just kind of supports Elder Scrolls Online and does like small content updates, and then like get a bigger team from that studio to help Bethesda Bethesda Game Studios to get Elder Scrolls and Starfield and these games off the ground. I think that would probably be the smarter one, although. You know, that's speaking to my ignorance a little bit because Elder Scrolls Online is very, very popular. I just, you know, it's one of those games. It's, it does very well, but people don't talk about it all the time because it has its own carved out community. Um, then you got Arcane, which makes, you know, Dishonored. And right now they're working on Deathloop. That's the thing is they're about to put out Deathloop. And Arcane has like two studios. They have one in Austin and one in, I think, aren't they from like Europe or something? Or maybe they're from Canada. But Arcane has, you know, Deathloop's about to come out. And that's going to be a PS5 exclusive. So it's like, okay, does that game eventually come to Xbox? And if so, it's like, I know you guys got two studios, so you're probably working on a second game, but we know Dishonored's kind of on ice right now. So are you working on an original IP for Xbox or what's the deal there? Are you guys working on a sequel to Prey? Because they made the reboot of Prey. So it's very possible they're working on a Prey sequel. So what what happens there? And then after Arcane, you've got Machine Games. These are the guys that make the Wolfenstein games. Okay, they're great. They're probably my favorite developer Bethesda under the Bethesda brand. They're probably working on a Wolfenstein 3. And of all the big studios that Bethesda owns, this is probably the most interesting because they're the, probably the furthest along. Their last game was, well, it was Wolfenstein Youngblood, but that doesn't really count. It was Wolfenstein 2, uh, which came out in 20, 2018, I think. So it's been a couple of years. We're at the point now where they could probably do a teaser trailer and show their next game. So it's probably Wolfenstein 3 is my guess. And if that's the case, you know, that's got to be a multi-platform game. Because, again, by my logic, my theory is anything that's already an established franchise has to remain multi-plat. So the next Doom, multi-plat. The next Wolfenstein, multi-plat. But the next new IP, that can be console exclusive. So we'll see. After Machine Games, you got Tango Gameworks. They're doing Ghostwire Tokyo, which is the game that's about to come out exclusive to PS5. Again, they also made the Evil Within games. So what are they going to do? You know, like they're they're already about to put out a brand new IP. They, they don't have another brand new IP ready to go. So they're going to be in development for a while. See, Microsoft's kind of acquiring ZeniMax in a, in a kind of a bad time because all the studios attached to ZeniMax either just put out games recently or are just about to put out games that are PlayStation exclusives or are deep in development of games we're not going to see for a very long time. So it's like they got Bethesda. This is exciting, but it's at a time where like we're not going to get to see the fruits of their labor for any time pretty soon. So like, it's, it's going to be a while. We're all going to be twiddling our thumbs, waiting on some concrete information for a while. And then after Tango, uh, we've got our last two. We got Alpha Dog, which is, you know, a mobile game developer that they acquired like in 2019. 
Um, so they're probably working on some mobile game or doing support for Fallout Shelter or something like that. And then you got Roundhouse Studios, uh, which haven't put out a game yet. This is the, I forget what their old, it's like, uh, I forget what the old studio's name is. It's something head or something like that. But these are the guys that made the Rune games and they made the old Prey game, the original Prey. And they went defunct in like 2018 or 19 or something like that. And then Bethesda took every employee from the studio and said, you guys can come to work at Bethesda and start a new studio. And so they formed a new studio under the name Roundhouse Studios. And they haven't put out a game yet. So they've been with Bethesda for about two years, haven't done anything. So I think this is, aside from Machine Games, I think this is probably the other studio to keep a close eye on because they haven't put anything out yet under this banner. So, you know, this is the studio that has the potential, I think, to put out the first console exclusive for Xbox. This is Roundhouse Studios, a studio that's never put out a game under that name, a, a studio that doesn't have a pre-existing IP that they currently work on, or maybe they'll pick up Prey 2 from Arcane. I don't know. But this is the studio I look at and say, they could be the ones to create an original IP. They're a new studio. They've been working on something for a couple of years now. We don't know what it is. These could be the guys that are saying, we're making the game that's exclusive for Series X, xCloud, Game Pass, PC, whatever. No PlayStation. That could be these guys. I think they're a very prime candidate for that specific thing. And then that's it. That's 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 the list of teams they have here. So with all that said, now we get to the question of exclusivity, which we've kind of touched on a little bit. But here's the here's the thing. They say in like I said, put put a pin in these two things they say in the announcement. The first one is, this is the f- next step in building an industry-leading first-party studio team and commitment we have to our first our Xbox community. So they're basically saying, Xbox community, we know you want a robust lineup of first-party content. We hear you, and this, this acquisition of ZeniMax Media is a direct response to that cry for content. That's basically what that sentence says. The second point I highlighted was where it says gamers should know that Xbox consoles, PC and game pass will be the best place to experience new Bethesda games, including some new titles in the future, some new titles in the future, some that will be exclusive to Xbox and PC players. So what they're saying here is we're buying ZeniMax. We know you want more first party content on Xbox platforms. Some games will be exclusive to Xbox and some will some will be available everywhere, but Xbox and PC will continue to be the best place to play. So that says everything you need to know. Basically, the way I read that, okay, let's say in a in a more general sense, what that says is some games will be exclusive to Xbox, some will be multi-platform, but the ones that are multi-platform will either be on Xbox first for timed exclusivity or will have special features that are best on Xbox or, you know, Getting a game free on Game Pass is better than buying it for 70 bucks. Whatever the case is, it will be best on Xbox, not on PlayStation. That's what that says. If you're going to read in a little deeper, to me what that says is, again, pre-existing franchises that people know are available on these platforms will not suddenly be ripped away and removed from PlayStation gamers so that Xbox can have dunking style points on social media and Xbox fanboys who dedicate all their free time to not playing Xbox, but shit-talking people who bought PlayStation on Twitter can have like some kind of ego fanboy trip experience. That's not what this is about. This is their way of saying, if you are someone who loved PlayStation three and bought fallout three in 2008 on your PlayStation three and said, wow, this is a great game. I love this game. And then in 2015, you're still PlayStation gamer and you bought fallout four on your PlayStation four and said, wow, this is a great game. I love this game. 
This is but this is Microsoft's way of saying we're not going to be dickheads and say hypothetical Fallout 5 releasing 2025 on Xbox Series X. Big middle finger to you PlayStation gamers. They're not saying that. This is their way of saying you will get Fallout 5 on your PlayStation 5. You will get Elder Scrolls 6 on your PlayStation 5. You will get Doom 3 on your PlayStation 5. You will get Wolfenstein 3 on your PlayStation 5. We're not taking things away from you. What we're going to do is we're going to make it a more enticing environment for Xbox because it's our studio. And when we make new games, when we make new franchises, possibly even Starfield, that's the big if, that will be exclusive to Xbox. We're not taking away what you already have. We're just putting new shit exclusively on our side. That's exactly how I read this. I think it's pretty cut and clear. You know, whatever whatever studios like Roundhouse Studios is working on, a studio that's never put out a game, you know, these new original IP, those will be console exclusive. Whatever it's pre-established, like Elder Scrolls and Fallout and Doom, that will be multi-platform. The big question, the one that I don't think we have the answer to, is going to be Starfield. I think Starfield is the big if. I think, obviously, it was already announced with the assumption that it would be multi-platform. But again, Starfield is a new IP that hasn't been established before. We haven't played a Starfield game before. They could, you know, Starfield is supposed to be the sci-fi Fallout, the sci-fi space Elder Scrolls. It's that big Elder Scrolls Fallout type game, but now set in outer space. It's one of those kinds of games. And we know the other two pillars of that three-pillar foundation or or, or platform or whatever it is that, you know, they, that Bethesda's established are Fallout and Elder Scrolls, which are multi-platform games. So in that regard, there's kind of a precedent for Starfield to be multi-platform because it's like, well, you're not going to make Elder Scrolls and Fallout multi-platform and then not Starfield. But at the same time, it's like Starfield's a new thing. It's an original IP. It could be Xbox and PC exclusive. So that's that's the biggest one to keep your eye out on in terms of what's going to happen. Where will the pendulum swing in terms of exclusivity versus multi-platform? But here we are. The Bethesda deal is official, you know, it feels a lot more, I don't know, hefty to, like, feels a lot more, like, like concrete to talk about these things and now that we have more official status on them. But, yeah, I mean, here is Xbox basically saying, like, some of it will be exclusive, some of it won't. And so now the next step is we wait. We wait for that next E3 or Xbox showcase moment. I think it would be really stupid and foolish of Xbox to not in some way, shape, or form at least bring up one or two of these studios and what they're planning on doing with Bethesda in their next in their next showcase. Regardless of whether or not that's like showing a new game, I think at least just further talking about this would be really, really critical. So we'll have to now we're now we're playing the waiting game again. We got more information. Things are set in stone. We know some's multi platform, some's exclusive. So in that case, I just want to give myself a little pat on the back. I was right about that. Some of you guys told me I was wrong. Some of you guys told me, no, why would they spend this much money if they weren't going to make it exclusive? And I told you, because they're not going to leave that money on the table. They're not going to be bad guy Microsoft. They're not going to burn people like that. And uh, I guess I was right, because I have a big old wiener. So that was the really big story. Now we'll just kind of pick it up. There's uh, only three other stories to get through this week, but they're significantly smaller. Uh, our next one, though, is that Win- Windows Central reports... Uh, that we may have reason to believe Xbox Game Studio, the first-party collection of studios um, directly under Xbox, hasn't revealed everything that's being released in 2021. In a recent interview interview on Lord's podcast, Xbox Director of Program Management Jason Ronald uh, was asked about games coming this year uh, that that have most hyped. And in his response, Ronald says, not all games that are being released this year have been announced. Of course, you know, that could just be a, a cryptic allusion to third-party content but continuing on 
While the response doesn't exactly mention upcoming games from Xbox Game Studios or even the games that Xbox that will be Xbox exclusive, it is still telling when the information comes it is still telling when the information comes from an Xbox team lead. Nothing is set in stone, but Ronald's comments are blah, 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 blah fire, blah, blah, blah. Well, we hear more about this soon, whatever. So I, I kind of fall in the camp of people are reading into this too much. But that being said, let, let's temper expectations. In 2020, we didn't know about Grounded in January. We learned about Grounded when? When was that? We learned about that in like March or February or something like that. And then it was out in the summer. Okay, so remember, Grounded isn't like the big console selling first party game it's just a little something so this could be a reference to that remember call of duty doesn't get announced until like spring or summer and then comes out in the fall so this could be a reference to that you know but this could be a first party game who fucking knows maybe maybe double fine has another game they're working on or maybe nxl has a new game to release that we didn't know about or something like that i I don't think that's the case yeah i just i just think this is one of those like well, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. Tease, tease, tease. Like, we'll definitely learn about new games in 2021. And we didn't know about no shit, but I just don't think this is like, let's set the expectation. This isn't going to be like a, a gear six, halo infinite quality, like tier game that we didn't know about. It might be like a, a battle toads or something small or like a, a tell me why type game. Remember, tell me why it was announced in May or July or something like that released in like October, November or whatever it was. Keep in mind there are lots of smaller games. So I'm assuming this is a smaller thing, maybe like a third-party exclusive or some a second-party game or something like that, uh, a Game Pass entry like that. But, you know, now that I actually talk about it, this is almost a boring story to talk about because what it really, what this really does more than anything is just begs the question, when are we going to get our first Xbox kind of, you know, live event of the year? Because that's kind of what we're in the need for now. The Xbox Series X is out. Bethesda deal is inked and final. And Halo is not coming out till November. Now we're waiting on information. We need information because we don't have the games right now. So we got to know more about when the games are coming. So I think that's kind of the next step. Now, our final, our penultimate story of the week is that Remedy's Remedy Entertainment's uh, Control sold over 2 million copies so far. But Remedy CEO Taro Vitala doesn't consider it a major hit. But he is also not disappointed. Speaking with GamesIndustry.biz, Vertala explained Remedy's reasoning for thinking of the game in these terms. He says, We're really happy with the success of Control. It won Game of the Year awards, it sold over 2 million units, and continues to sell. But 2 million is not, is not yet a major hit in our industry. When we talk about the major hit games, we're talking about that's what we're aiming at. Vitale goes on to talk about the rise of subscription services such as Game Pass, PlayStation Plus, providing post launch opportunities. So it isn't necessarily all about copies sold anymore. Remedy is currently divided into multiple teams with five games in development currently. The teams that are working on Control are helming another game with a big AAA title and a small and smaller games that are set in the same universe, uh, which have been signed to Epic Games. Another team is working on the Vanguard multiplayer project, which will be free to play. And the final team is working on the Crossfire X campaign in partnership with Smilegate Entertainment. So we, we've talked about this before on the show. I think Remedy's thing is about, you know... First of all, they're based in Europe where it's cheaper to run studios, better tax benefits and things like that. So the the amount of money you need to generate in order to make the game a hit is a lot less than what it is for a lot of American developers, first of all. But secondly, and more important to that, I think that something came to mind, I forget what the budget is, but Control was not a massive budget game. I think it was made for something like pretty reasonable, like $50 million or something like that. And 
So they they said in the past, without going into this much detail though, that they're pleased with how Control sold and the game made money and is doing fine. Although it's not, yeah, it's not Witcher Three or anything like that. So I think this is obviously their plan is to do some smaller games and some bigger games and to think of uh, of the way to make money on games as a little more fluid because. We do live in this world now where games have second and third lives. It's like, okay, well, the game comes out, and it used to be, you know, a game came out, and within the first week or so of being on the market, that's when the game makes like 90% of the money it's ever going to make. But we don't really live in that world anymore because now we live in a world of like, oh, well, this game came out a year ago, but now it's finding success again because it's on Games with Gold or it's on Game Pass or it's on PlayStation Plus, and it finds new players and people you know, play it and then it goes off the service and they buy it or they buy the DLC or they get a large lump sum of cash from Sony or Microsoft from having the game on that service. So there are lots of ways for these games to become profitable and to make money a second time, a third time. And and I think it's actually, while it may seem a little risky, it's actually kind of a smart way to approach these things and to be able to take risks and make more creative games is because, you know, a lot of the reason why we just get AAA and indie these days is because people like Activision, Take-Two and EA they see how expensive it is to make games and, and and they feel this need to play it safe so that they know these expensive projects they're investing in are going to generate revenue. That's why you get Battlefield and Call of Duty and Battlefield and Call of Duty and, and less interesting stuff because it's like, well, those are proven quantity. Those are those are known quantities. We know Call of Duty is going to sell this. We know Battlefield is going to sell this. Whereas, you know, back in the day, you might be able to take more risks, but games were also significantly cheaper to, to produce and to make. So it's cool that Remedy is able to kind of look at it this way in that, you know, the the way we do games with all these services and second and third rounds of like attention being given to the game that we're able to, you know, take a game that may have not have been an instant smash hit success and make it a profitable project in the long run. Of course, you have to be an established studio to be able to do that. You can't be like a first time out the gate indie dev and 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 kind of find success in that model. But nonetheless, if you're a company that's in the unique position like Remedy, where you can kind of pull this off, I think I think that's kind of cool. And it'll allow them to be able to tell more interesting and unique games like Control, which is definitely a game that's unlike most of what else is on the market. So I'm glad if this is something that works for them, and it, it means that we can continue to get more games like that. So. That's that's that. And then our final story of the week comes from Windows Central. And this is a sad one, guys. But V1 Interactive, a studio founded by Marcus Leto, co-creator of the Halo franchise, is officially shutting down. The news comes not quite a year after the team released Disintegration, their first and only project, a real-time strategy first-person shooter hybrid title published by Private Division, part of Take-Two Interactive's uh, team that focused on working with independent developers. The tweet announcement read, quote, we are sad to inform you that V1 Interactive is officially closing. We want to thank you all for the talented people at V1, both past and present, who helped us make the past five years wonderful, and a heartfelt thanks to our amazing community that supported us. End quote. The multiplayer for Disintegration was shut down just three months after the game released, with the team starting with the team stating that the game, quote, unfortunately struggled to build a significant audience necessary for a compelling multiplayer experience. The single-player portion of the game was not affected by the shutdown of the multiplayer or the removal of the game in stores, so it appears that players will co- with will continue to be able to play Disintegration offline offerings in the future. In a separate comment on Twitter, uh, Leto did state that, quote, we've been transparent with them about the state of things for months and are making the decisions now so that they still have ample time to search for jobs while being supported by our studio, uh, end quote. And that was, of course, in relation to the... 30, 40 plus people who work at V1 Interactive who are now no longer part of this studio that is officially defunct. 
So this is a this is a really sad one, especially you know for me, just because I actually really liked Disintegration of V1 Interactive. You may recall last year when the game came out over the summer, I, I bought it the day it came out, and I bought my brother a copy for his birthday to kind of show support for the game. I wanted to purchase. I want to make sure I purchased the game at full price to show Marcus Leto and the team at V1 Interactive that I wanted to support them financially and encourage them to keep you know putting out content, but. I mean, that game tanked so hard. It was the the week that game released and you couldn't even find multiplayer matches. The lobbies were just dead. That game, that game must have sold like, honest to God, like maybe just a handful of thousand, a thousand, couple thousand copies or something like it was a, a massive bomb of a game. And that's really unfortunate because, um, even though the game definitely feels a little budget, a budgety, it was a really creative and cool game. And I, and I did enjoy my time with it. So I really sad to see that be the case. And, you know, Heart goes out to, of course, the people who are now without a job. Hopefully, many of them, if, if not all of them, are able to find you know great jobs at new at new uh, developers, and you know they're all really talented individuals. Because again, as someone who played Disintegration, I thought what they did, you know, while not the most amazing game of all time, is was certainly a pretty creative and fun game with a really interesting approach to both real time strategy games and first person shooters. Uh, two genres or, you know, first-person shooters at least, being a genre that is otherwise generally pretty oversaturated. So for them to be able to do something creative and unique in that space was, I thought, really cool. So, you know, shout out to them. Hopefully, you know, nothing but the best for all those guys, but unfortunately they are no more. And that's going to do it for all of our news this week, guys. Uh, but remember, we do we do still have our important enough news stories. These are stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions on their own. So our first one, and, and this is where we, we have a handful of these, so we'll fly through them. First one here is that Forza Horizon 4 is now officially available on Steam for $60. You can download that now on your PC. Uh, next, we've got that according to a listing found on the Microsoft on a Microsoft Store page, Tango Gameworks, the team behind the Evil Within franchise, will soon be coming to Game Pass. Or the, the game, their game, The Evil Within, will soon be coming to Game Pass. A first of many more to come now that Tango's parent company, ZeniMax, is officially part of Team Xbox. Next, Windows Central reports that Mojang Studios has surprised players everywhere by announcing a Minecraft Dungeons uh, arcade machine that's coming to an arcade near you. They're pairing up with arcade company Play Mechanics, who designed an awesome-looking arcade cabinet that you can look up if you want to go see what it looks like. It's pretty cool. It's a four-player arcade machine. Uh, It supports local co-op with melee, dodge, and range buttons for each player uh, on top of movement buttons. The game will take players across nine familiar levels, to battle hordes of vicious enemies and to see Minecraft dungeons in a different light. The arcade game will be heading to a a select few arcades in North America right now for testing and will expand more in the future. This is really interesting time for this because obviously, you know, arcades are probably not a place, places that are really doing well right now, especially because of COVID. Um, So to release something like this now, you know, I'm sure a lot of arcades are probably eager to get a game like this in to try and draw crowds. But at the same time, I cannot imagine that this is, you know, going to really help all that much. It's going to be a really expensive game for a lot of arcades to buy at a time where they're probably struggling really hard to stay afloat. But nonetheless, I hope this does make a difference. You know, luckily, I live in Orlando, Florida, where there are plenty of, I say, quote, you know, quote, arcades. There are no true arcades really left anymore, but lots of like Dave and Buster type places. So hopefully I can get my hands uh, or I can find a place that has this soon so I can give it a try and tell you guys how it is. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested in giving this one a try for sure. Next up, Windows Central reports that uh, Dotemu a, and Tribute Games have teamed up with Nickelodeon to produce a new tribute to the Golden Age era of beat-em-up arcade games with the original 1987 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games. 
an animated series. While no release date has been announced yet, the game will be coming to console and PC and can already be wishlist on Steam. Dotemu and Tribute Games have a strong pedigree for retro beat-em-up games uh, with like Streets of Rage 4 and the like, while some of uh, Tribute Games have worked on Scott Pilgrim vs. The World the Game. So that's coming soon. Look, look out for more on that. Next, Doom Eternal Ancient Gods Part 2 DLC. Uh, we're getting a trailer for it on March 15th, showing off more of the DLC, so look out for that. Survival game Rust, first released back in 2013 on PC via Early Access, has been promised to come to uh, consoles for a very long time now, but finally the console port is coming. It's developed by Double Eleven and not the original developer, Face Punch, which was confirmed via press release to- this week uh, and to be coming to Xbox One some point later this spring. Next, Windows Central reports that while the Xbox March update added some awesome features to the console, including auto HDR and FPS boost, unfortunately, it's also removed feature uh, a feature, um, which is the Microsoft, which is the Xbox One Guide TV listing app. Microsoft's Jonathan Hildebrandt outlined the update. He also clarified the state of One Guide going away. He says, "Quote." TV listings and one guide are going away. Based on customer usage and feedback, we're constantly involving Xbox. To that end, beginning on in May, we'll be sunsetting live TV listings for one guide on Xbox One. You can continue to use one guide to view your connected HDMI devices as a USB TV tuner. You can also keep using one guide for HDMI pass-through to watch TV via USB TV tuners, but you won't be able to access the on-screen TV listings guide. That's really sad. That's actually something I really liked about Xbox One that I, I enjoyed using back in the early days of Xbox One when I was still living at my parents' house and had cable TV that I could pass through my Xbox. But, of course, I haven't been able to use that in many years, and and now no one will be able to use it. So that is a sad... That's one of those like very authentically Xbox One features that I think is pretty cool. I really hate that you know the, things got away from Microsoft and it became all about like bad Microsoft and Xbox One. In, in the Xbox One days, I understand why they got that reputation, but I actually really think Xbox One's Connect and the Snap feature for apps and all these TV features were really cool. And I really wish Microsoft could have stuck with them because I, I, this was these were cool features that actually set distinguished that console and set it apart from PS4. And it it, it would have been nice to see them get to double down on it and convince gamers that you want those features rather than for them to have to abandon it all and go really hard into the games, 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 and nothing else thing. But whatever. It's gone. we got to move on, just like Windows Phone. Our hearts will ache, but life will continue. Next, Windows Central reports that Microsoft has debuted. It's all-new Microsoft Edge browser on Xbox consoles, providing a long way to refresh the web experience on the Xbox consoles. The new and improved Edge uh, saw its PC overhaul last year, but is now finally coming to consoles with its rebuilt app. It is currently available as a subset of the Xbox Insiders uh, program. It's on track to replace the legacy Microsoft Edge app, which is already available now. And Microsoft Edge is also being removed from regular Windows pretty soon here, the old version. So pretty soon. That makes me sad. I I like the old Microsoft Edge, but the new one's also phenomenal, which is what I use. But anyway, next up, Hardsuit Labs has confirmed that uh, layoffs to Rock Paper Shotgun. Uh, in a statement, the studio says that it had to part ways with a small number of individuals and is working to try and find new opportunities for them going forward. So best of luck to all those affected by this. Hopefully, uh, whatever life has in store for you next is better than before. But uh, next up, speaking of layoffs, delays, and acquisitions, good news. Today, 
gaming giant or last week, gaming giant Zynga announced that their latest acquisition, uh, Extra Games and Develop, the developer that founded by Diablo and Torchlight co-creator Max Schaefer, uh, which recently released released Torchlight Three, uh, from Frank Givio, CEO of Zynga, quote Max's team at Extra Games are responsible for some of the most legendary game properties ever created, and they are the expert, and they are experts in action RPG. And they are experts in the action RPG genre and cross-platform development. I'm excited to welcome them to the team at Zynga Family. And then finally, IGN reports that Blizzard has quietly rolled out an Xbox Series S and X enhancement patch for Overwatch. But for whatever reason, it hasn't come to PlayStation. So only apparently Xbox Series versions of the game are getting it. But the patch notes note that Series X users can get 4K 60Hz. Series S can get 1440p 60Hz mode. There's also a balance mode that gives you 1440p at 60Hz. There's also a frame rate bump. On the Series X at 1440p, you can do 120Hz. On Series S, you can do 1080p at 120Hz. So some nice upgrades for Xbox users playing Overwatch, you fucking perverts. But that's going to do it for all of our news for the week, guys. Next up in the show, this is where we go over the new game releases of the week. We're back. We're not skipping it like we did last week. Uh, but this week, there are only seven new games coming to Xbox. Thank God. But now we'll jump through them real quick. These are from the Xbox Wire. We're going to go over them by saying the name of the game and judging everything about it based on nothing but a screenshot. So on March 9th, we got Pacer, which is just one of those futuristic racing F-Zero knockoffs that looks actually pretty good. Uh, Doodle Devil 3 Evolution comes out March 11th. It's an Xbox Play Anywhere title, and as I've said before, if you can play it everywhere, you can also play it nowhere. So go without Devil Doodle. Uh, Monster Energy Supercross, the official video game 4, comes out March 11th. The game looks pretty cool. I've always wanted to try one of those. Almost Impulse bought the third one from last year, but this is also the developer that's working on that new Hot Wheels game, so I care. Uh, Heaven Dust comes out March 12th. It's Xbox One X Enhanced, but fuck you if you're on Xbox Series X. You get no enhancements, but then again, it looks like some chibi zombie game, so why would you want enhancements to that? What is there to enhance? Then you got Journey of the Broken Circle on March 12th, which literally looks like a purple screen. Not even an indie game, it's just an environmental asset picture and nothing else. And then you got Pink Man on March 12th, which is nothing like Pikman, but will hopefully uh, make a name for itself based on being that game that sounds vaguely like Pikmin. And then lastly, you got Self, Where's My Father, which is something I've been asking myself since I was a very young little boy, so makes me really uncomfortable that they're making a game about my life. And then finally, guys, with that out of the way, we'll jump through our games with gold. As a reminder for the month of March, you got Warface Breakout, which is available all month. I downloaded that and tried it. It's literally just knockoff Call of Duty, but only search and destroy mode. Like, I don't... Why? I just deleted it after two seconds. Uh, Vicious Attack Llama Apocalypse is available from March 16th to April 15th. Then you got Metal Slug 3 for the first half, so you got that till the 15th. Be sure to download that. It's about to go away. And then you got Port Royale 3 available from March 16th to 31st. So make sure you download that in a little bit when it becomes available. And guys, with that said, we're done with the regular run of show. We almost made it to the hour and a half mark. We didn't do too bad. We've done worse. Um, But I wanted to round out this show. You know, normally, if you tune out here, that's fine. But if you'll humor me for a moment, I wanted to round out this week's episode with a little anecdote, a little story of something that happened to me this week. And it's just been on my heart to share it with you guys. So if you don't mind for a moment, I'm just going to, I actually wrote it down. It's a, it's a, I, I wrote down the story so I can just kind of read it off to you and not get too off track. But this is a, a shocking, surprising thing that happened to me. And 
it's just been on my heart to put it, uh, to leave it with you guys. So, so the other day I was at the grocery store just doing some shopping and you know, I've mentioned on the show already a couple times that I've been relying heavily on Pepsi zero sugar lately to help me with this diet I've been doing. Um, so uh, there I am in the soda aisle. So I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking around trying to find my Pepsi, looking at the other flavors and stuff they have available, trying to take note of all the diet flavors I've never really thought about before because I didn't traditionally drink these kinds of sodas. Uh, but suddenly a man who was, I guess, shopping next to me got my attention. So like, like he was staying next to me. I didn't even realize he was there and he just chuckles something. So, you know, I assumed to myself he was saying, you know, he's talking to himself, but then I realized that his comment was actually directed towards me. So I turned to him and I said, sorry. And the man just repeated. He says, uh, I just came here for Coke and he was alluding to the overwhelming array of soft beverages to choose from. Yeah. It's like, you gotta be so I, and I just wrote this part down to try and streamline it, but I said, yeah, it's like you got to be some weird fan of soda or something to keep up with all the flavors they've got available these days. You know, I said that half jokingly, hoping he would sense the discomfort in my voice and, and just leave me alone because I didn't want to talk to a stranger, but he didn't. Instead, he used my response as like a as like the crack in the door to just, you know, bust the door open and start a full-blown conversation. Jeremiah was his name, an older gentleman. I noticed he was shopping with uh, without a spouse, probably widowed, older man. Jeremiah had a lot to say. Uh, what began as, you know, him saying things like, when I was young, there was just coke and ginger ale turned to, you know, I was in the war, which went on to, t- he went on to tell me his stories about, you know, that spanned the better part of the, the past century. And Jeremiah, you know, I, like, do get to talk with him. This man had hopes. He had dreams. At one point, he was happy as can be, a family man, father of three, but, you know, life changes. And as he put it, the only thing harder than learning to let your kids grow up and leave the nest, he said, is the horrifying realization that you as a parent run the risk of outliving your own children. In Jeremiah's case, that's exactly what happened. At first, I couldn't get away. I couldn't wait to get away from this man. Uh, but at this point, I just felt myself like so emotionally gravitated to this guy, uh, to, you know, it, to a stranger of all things in a way, like I totally forgot, you know, was even possible, you know, since the events of the recent COVID-19 pandemic, of course, Jeremiah and I continued to, uh, converse, sharing stories, connecting, and most of all, just bonding. It felt like we were in that aisle for an hour, honestly talking, but eventually, you know, came, the conversation came to a close. We, we shook hands, said our goodbyes and we parted ways. So I continue shopping, and, and later, towards the end of my, my shopping journey, I made my way over to the checkout station, as one does. Heavy with thoughts of love and loss on my mind, I began to place my frozen TGI Friday's select items from my shopping cart onto the conveyor belt for the cashier to scan. Suddenly, the store's intercom speakers came on, and a frantic employee cried out, We have a medical emergency at checkout station 6. If any shoppers are trained medical professionals, I beg you to aid as quickly as possible. I quickly scanned a few checkout lanes down from mine until my eyes locked at counter six, and it was exactly what I feared. Jeremiah was there, laying on the ground, helpless, with his hands pulled onto his chest as he squirmed and struggled for air. I rushed over and power slid down to his level, calling his name to see if he was still conscious. Jeremy was struggling to make sense of what was even going on. That much was clear. But seemingly, my voice offered him some sort of familiarity and assurance. He turned his head and looked at me. And for a moment, I swear he even managed to smile. With a lump in my throat, I choked. Someone do something, but it was already too late. I knew. The cashier knew it. I turned back and looked at Jeremiah once more. He knew it. Suddenly, Jeremiah mustered the strength to speak to me one last time. He said, son, lean in. There's something I need to tell you. I tilted my head and moved in close, bracing for whatever I was about to hear. Closer, he whimpered. And before I could even 
think. My head obeyed. I was just there. At one point, my ear was so close to his mouth, I could feel his struggle all throughout his body, as if his entire body was just crying out for help, and his mouth was serving as the only outlet to let me know. He began to speak, stopped, and once more, gasped. Finally, with one last breath, Jeremiah said, Son, power your dreams. your step and please be safe and it's a long way to go till we get home and piece by piece i took it slow and i found myself outside your door It's just too much to take And I've fallen away from you